Today's episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. DragRaceLawyer.com, legal help on and off the track. Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com is a longtime drag racer with over 25 years of experience in small business to large corporate legal work. For all your high-powered legal needs, get DragRaceLawyer.com. Let's get serious for a moment. When you have a legal problem, you need a lawyer that understands you as a person. So get an attorney that understands who you are. You are a drag racer, so get a drag race lawyer. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Today is episode number seven. It is the first week of June. We have a lot to talk about, so get the broom out, clean the shop do the commute to work, uh, get on the rider, mow the yard, whatever it is that you do to when you listen to podcasts, let's go right now. We have a brilliant episode for you today. We have lots to talk about in terms of getting you up to date on results uh, and standings. Uh, lots of action. The NHRA national event in Chicago, along with the JEGS all-star race that was um, held there along with the national event, um, and PDRA action as well. Um, our guests today are um, really super fantastic here. So we've got uh, Steve Kasner joins us. He is a D7 top dragster standout. He's going to talk his operation and his wild Vegas victory earlier this year. Um, additionally, we have one of the top legal minds in the world. No, that is not Denny Crane or Alan Shore from Crane, Poole, and Schmidt. No, it is not Ben Matlock. No, it is not Saul Goodman. With us today, Ed Harney, drag race lawyer. He is here to discuss current legal issues that you, I, and the rest of us as drag racers will face. Um, really, really excited about having him with us. Um, but before we get to today's show, get at me. Um, I want to hear some feedback from you guys. Um, like, give a heart on Twitter. at So follow me on Twitter at Fast Brackets. Give the heart there. Um, like the Fast Brackets podcast page on Facebook. Or shoot me an email, fastbrackets at outlook.com. Guys, get strapped in. This is episode number seven. Here we go. Let's put them in the water box. Let's get them heated up here so we can make a pass. Um, we have lots of topics to cover here in the next coming episodes. And um, I, we're just going to relay them here just so everybody knows where exactly we're at and where we're going. We're going to talk um, in the hot topic segment. We're going to talk about trucks in Top Sportsman. We're going to talk about the shorties in Top Dragster. 
we're going to discuss 32 versus 48 car fields. Um, the art of contingencies. We're going to get some help on understanding um, the best way to go about that. We're going to talk uh, maybe something a little controversial, but very forward thinking in gambling at the track. Um, and then today uh, we're going to get into a little bit about travel rules state by state. Um, we've got Ed Harney here, the expert to discuss that a little bit later, but every state has their own thing and we're always trying to get our arms around what are the rules for our particular rig and we're going to break that down just a little bit and hopefully throw some clarification on that and as always if you want to talk about how awful roadsters are and how much you hate them you're always willing to i'm always willing to have you come on and discuss that that is probably the only topic in which we're going to open this thing wide open. And if you ever tweet at me or send me a message, you say, hey, Rex, I want to get on and talk about the hatred, then bring it. I, I have an open policy for that. Everybody else, it is um, by invite only. We only want the best of the best. But on that scenario, um, we have a little bit of open policy. So get at me. We're getting hot right now. Um, we're going to put it in the beams here in a second. But uh just so everybody knows, that is where we are going. All right, let's put it in the beams. Let's get it going. Joining us now is the owner-operator of Kasner Racing Enterprises. He owns divisional wins in Super Street, Super Gas, Super Comp, and Top Dragster. He was your number three finisher in the world in Top Dragster in 2017. He was one round short of being your world champion. He is back-to-back -back JEGS All-Star qualifiers uh, for Division 7 Top Dragster in 27 and 2018. He is also your 2019 Division 7 Vegas Divisional Top Dragster champ. Welcome to the show, Steve Kasner. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that was me you were talking about? <laughs> Brother, uh, that is all you. I, 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 wow. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you very much. No, that's uh, it. That is quite a list of accomplishments, and um, nobody gets there overnight. Uh, Steve, do you want to take us back and tell us how this whole thing started before you got to yeah. uh, having to build a trophy room? Yeah, yeah, sure. It's uh, kind of a, an interesting scenario. When I was 16 years old, my uh, father bought me a, a really nice 66 72 Nova Super Sport that uh, I proceeded to, to crash in a street race about three months after he got it for me. Oh, boy. Um, pretty, pretty devastating crash. The car was ripped in two when I hit a tree sideways about 95 miles an hour. And uh, it uh, turned into one of those things where my dad raced back in the 60s, and uh, he, he said, if this is something you want to do, we're going to go to the racetrack. So uh, he, he set me up and uh, took me to first race ever at uh, Baylands Raceway Park in Fremont. And uh, from there, we just we, we started racing. Bought a little 85 uh, Mercury Capri 5-liter with a 5-speed, and that was the first car I went down the track in. Nice, nice. Um, and so that was uh, right when you first started racing, and then you have uh... – successfully uh gone up the ranks 
since then, um, and you've carved out quite a niche in the top dragster ranks for yourself now. Um, do you mind telling us about your your car cars you have in the state? Uh, yeah, I, I currently have two cars. Uh, one of them is a, a bracket car that uh, actually won last year at the uh, Bristol Spring Fling dragster raffle that I uh, just recently started running about a month or two ago. And then uh, my top dragster is a car that I actually built myself uh, back in 1999 nice. uh, using the, the famed Davey Yahara's shop. Uh, Yahara did a lot for me and, and learned a lot from him. And uh, I built this as a, a two-piece bolt-together car back then. And that's what I'm still running today. Uh, I did have a, a back half section done by uh, Dennis Sarmento at Sarmento's Fabrication with a four-link uh, swing arm setup. But uh, it's a 1999 car, 20 years old, and it is still probably just as modern, if not more more trick than uh, some of the stuff that's even being built today. And and how long is that, Steve? What's the wheelbase it's on it? It's 255 inches with the, uh, the bolt-together um, four-link setup. And okay. it's 240 inches in the slip joint cable car configuration. Gotcha. Yeah, that 255 inches back 20 years ago was um, was ahead of the curve. I'm guessing. <laughs> well, it, it was originally built as as the 240 car, and even at 240, everybody was telling me that car is too long to run run super comp with, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty much a standard deal now. For sure. And um, so, what powers that thing? Uh, I run two different engines in it. I actually just this weekend put, uh, put my bracket engine back in it for, uh, for kind of the rest of this year, but, uh, I run a, a 637 inch nitrous deal that was originally built by Madcap that, uh, Dave Riola was taking the reins on and updated and, uh, maintained for me and, uh, just runs a small, small nitrous kit and runs easy 650s at 207. And the bigger kit, it runs in the, the low 640s. Easy at 200 miles an hour. I like it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a very, very low-maintenance combination. And um, so that that uh, low-maintenance combination, um, I'm guessing you've got a power glide in it? Yep, yep, power glide that uh, obviously I built the trans and converter for. And... Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing the amount of power that we can put through these things and have have zero zero problems with them. Yeah, so you mentioned you're you're the owner operator of Kasner Racing Enterprises and you focus on transmissions and converters, right? And so Correct. Correct. So talk us through your business and and really what trends are you seeing in the top sportsman and top dragster side? Well, the, the biggest thing out there right now is uh, w- with what everybody's done power-wise, and, and, you know, a lot of them are actually having to take power away now that we've gone to the 610 index is, uh, you know, everybody's looking at details now. Uh, you know, the, the quality and, and details, the way these things are put together, the reaction time consistency, 60-foot time consistency is, is really becoming paramount to uh, to what's going on. Um and I think the 610 index change has, has really made people focus more on that. When it was 6.0s, uh, you know, you had a lot of the top qualifiers that, uh, you know, they changed something every run just trying to get that number one spot or go faster. 
you know. Right. Uh, so now, now that they've gotten to where it's a six ten, you know, it's it's made those those top fast guys concentrate more on actual race setups instead of instead of qualifying. Yeah, we've uh, we had uh, Jimmy Sakovich on um, a week or so ago, and he was saying that you know he. He's almost running like a uh, throttle stop on the thing, trying to get it to six ten. Sure, sure, yeah. With the power that he makes, and you know the slow sixty foot and high mile an hour program, uh, you know those guys are those guys have really really stepped up their programs. All those guys uh, that that are going the used to go the six O's to to where you don't want to race them now. <laughs> Where before, I mean, me personally, I always wanted to qualify at the top and the bottom of the ladder. I always wanted to run the first, second, or third qualifiers because I knew going into race day, they didn't really have, you know, the the program that they were more qualified, you know, worried about qualifying and taking that number one spot. Yeah, and if anything got squirrely with the track, et cetera, you could take advantage of it. Sure, sure, and and now now you don't want to race those guys. <laughs> they they have become very very competitive, and they're going really fast. Yeah, no, that's it's um it's getting to be exciting times for sure. Um, well, and when you're qualifying, uh, tell us a little bit about um you know who's with you on race day and and how the operation works. Uh, pretty much, I'm a, a husband and wife team um my wife goes with me to all the races and uh she's the one that uh you know keeps me prepared and, and ready to go uh, most of the time i'm i'm the last one ready to leave um i'm either working on a customer's you know stuff at the last minute trying to get going and um, i'm the one that shows up last at the racetrack and barely makes the qualifying run but uh my wife wife keeps me grounded and then i have a friend uh, mike morrell that comes with me every now and then when he can he started an electronics uh, electrician's business and uh, his time has been uh, used up pretty good so it's uh, pretty much my my wife and i and, and then, um, uh, my dad dad stays home and takes care of the ranch and the shop while i'm gone there you go it sounds like you got it down to a science at this point <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say a science, but <laughs> it's it's how I have to race. Yeah. Did did you have to convince your wife to uh, get out and go with you, or is that something she really enjoys? No, she really enjoys it, and unfortunately, most of my racing career, uh, she hasn't been able to go with me. It's just been in the last four or five years that uh, you know she's she's able to. Um, we have uh, two kids, and uh, they are now both married and, and gone and through college and so forth. And, uh, you know, she has the time. Other than that, she's, she spent her, her time taking the kids where they needed to be and, and being mom. I like it. Yeah, no, that's uh, timing is a big part of all this stuff. And it sounds Absolutely. like you are right in the groove right now with it. Um, and, and you won the, uh, the Vegas Divisional early this year uh, you're in california vegas uh, how far a trip is that from your place to the vegas strip it's a solid 10 and a half to 11 hours for oh me is it Las okay Vegas. yes uh, but you obviously have raced there um plenty of times is that right over your oh career? yeah 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 but uh, that that place and i do not get along at all um i hate it as much as it hates me <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the, the facility is gorgeous. Uh, you know, the track prep is, is always really good. Um, it, it just, it's not been my lucky racetrack. 
I I would have agreed with you. Um, let's call it six months ago, but <laughs> we got we got to talk about um, what happened over here in um, in March. So you go there and um, just just take us through that uh, the eliminations on that um, that event. Yeah, I'll, I'll just step back one moment about my my love hate relationship with Vegas. It's it's one of those things to where. I've been in many, many finals there, high-dollar bracket races at the Spring Fling, national events, divisional events. Uh, I unfortunately went on my lid and crashed a 1,000 feet at a Spring Fling event there. And, uh, you know, the place just has my goat. And then uh, at the divisional there this year, uh, I was rolling through eliminations pretty well. I went to fire the car up for the semifinal. And I, I heard a pop. And in my gut, I knew, you know, I knew it was bad. But I rolled into the water box, did the burnout, and the burnout was just weak. So I, I know something's broke at this point. I staged the car. My opponent goes red. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I Helps. hustle back to the pit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that was lucky around, you know probably number three of that day but that's what started the whole scenario here for the final sure is uh i I drive it back to the pits get it back to the pits start tearing everything apart and i find a number seven rocker arm that is broke okay um like okay no problem i have spares the push rod is perfect everything looks good i go to put the new rocker arm on push rod in and then something's not right so I, I look down, I only have about a three-quarter hole opening from where the push rod goes through in the cylinder head to see down to the, the lifter. Mm-hmm. And I run Jessel Keyway lifters, and I look down there, and the Jessel lifter is popped out and rotated about 90 degrees. So I'm thinking, okay, no big deal, just the cam lobe knocked it up, and, and you know, it came out of its, its uh, groove. Sure. So I'm trying to look through... And, and get the lifter back in, and the lifter bushings for a Jessel Keyway lifter have an index mark on one side for installing them, and then the Keyway on the other side. And I can't tell which one is which by, by looking down through there. So I take a guess by looking at the, the other lifters, and I'm trying to get this lifter in, and it won't go in. So I'm fighting with it, fighting with it. And at this point, I have plenty of people coming around looking to see what's wrong. Uh, Kevin Brannon came over to, to assist, Johnny Laboose, um, and a couple other people. And, and we're, we're thrashing trying to get this lifter in. Lifter won't go in. And in my haste of trying to get it back out, um, I ended up pulling the guts out of the lifter. So now the guts are in the in the valley. The the aluminum insert in the lifters there. So we're fishing it out with magnets and pliers, doing everything we can to get the lifter out at this point. Uh, another racer that was there helping, Tony Giardino, came by and he had a spare lifter. He brought over and uh, we tried tried getting this lifter in. Mm-hmm. And uh, NHRA official is there the whole time, you know, just keeping us posted on what's going on. Now it's a final round, you know, so we're in a hurry as it is. Right. And, uh, you know, he's just keeping us posted on what's going on. And they decide to run alcohol final uh, before us. And my opponent, Brianna Weens, which I can't thank her enough. She, she waited patiently and, and was a true sportsman in the whole thing. 
uh, as she was sitting up in the next to the tower waiting for me. Um, they, they ran alcohol and, and at this point we can't get the lifter in. Um, so the NHRA official at this point says, Hey, it's time. We got to go. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're going on seven. <laughs> so I had, I had, uh, Johnny and, and Kevin Brandon there and they're, they pull the lifter out, pull the push rod off, leave the rocker arm off, putting the valve covers on. And I asked the NHRA official, what's the maximum I can dial? He radios the tower and he says, the bump was 673, max dial is 683. I look at my wife, tell her put 683 on the scoop. And uh, Johnny Labuse kind of looks at me and he says, you know, what do you think it'll run? And obviously I have no idea. He's like, well, let's pull the wing. So we pull the wing off the car. They get the valve covers, everything on. I'm suiting up. I put fire suit, helmet, Hans, everything 100% ready to go. Uh, I drive to the drive to the starting line, and I pull up next to Brienne under the tower, running. And I, and I gave it a little goose of the throttle, tr- you know, trying to tell her, "Hey, I'm racing. We're you know we're ready to go." Because right. I didn't have a chance to talk to her or anything. Yep. You know, and I know what it's like when you're waiting for somebody that, that, that is broken or is broke trying to fix it. You, your mind goes crazy. Yep. Okay, he can't run. He's broke. You know, don't go red. You know, all these scenarios. Right. So, you know, I, I, I just tried to give her a little goose of the throttle there to, to, to let her know, hey, you know, don't let up. Let, let's go. Yep. So uh, we roll into the water, and uh, I do the burnout, and I'm like, well, this is not bad. It felt pretty good. Uh, and uh, I'm, a, I'm on nitrous deal, so I didn't change anything as far as the nitrous tune-up. We just have no rocker arm in number seven. Nitrous just and, goes uh, to the cylinder. It's not going to fire. It's just, it, yeah, it's just they can't even get there. I mean, the intake valve is closed. So uh, I let loose the button, and this thing's running. And I she was dialed 675. I was dialed 683, and I'm slightly pulling away from her. And, and I'm just like, I, I'm in the car going, this isn't what I expected. You know, I expected to let go of the button and, and have to lift. Right. And uh, I, I'm pulling away from her, and I pedal it a couple times. We go through the stripe, and my wind light comes on. <laughs> and I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. The curse and, is lifted. Uh, yeah, it's like all this, you know, years of frustration, you know, at Vegas, it's just like, it was all worth it, you know, and here, here you are, you're sacrificing a $50,000 engine to, to win 1200 at the division race, but it was, it was more than, you know, the money obviously isn't anything that any of us are racing for, but you know, I had to get that monkey off my back at Vegas, and uh, you know that was one hell of a way to do it. That's awesome. That is awesome. Um, and to your point, um, you know, Brandon was a true sportsman that let you have a chance to run, and then, and we see that all the time in in drag racing is that you know Absolutely. our competitors Absolutely. are so good to us. Yeah. Now yeah, that, and so so on that run, you know, I'm, I'm sure she stacked a little bit in the delay box, and I got a couple couple on the tree on her, and she went dead on six seventy five six, and I went dead on six eighty three five. 
and we pulled the wing off and without a wing you can't go over 200 and i went 199.11 you know so there's there, <laughs> <laughs> it was just a perfect storm to the whole whole scenario wow you know it's one of those things you know when you have kb over there and, and the loose caboose over there helping you don't want to let them down you know they, they put all this effort and, and so forth trying to get me there so that wind light was pretty important to me yeah that's huge man that is absolutely huge but um do you think going forward you'll go ahead and run with eight cylinders or do you think that's uh, uh i think i think eight is probably a better program <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> uh. That is fantastic. I really appreciate you coming on because I had heard that story earlier and it is um, before we started the show, but I, I wanted to get you on and I, I really appreciate you uh, coming on and telling us about that because that is fantastic stuff. I mean, just the fact that you had had struggles there, you battled, you didn't quit, and then to have it come around full circle like that and, and give you the win is, uh, is big, man. Congrats. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. No, that's uh that is Steve Kasner, Kasner Racing Engines or Enterprises, sorry. And um Steve, thanks so much for coming on. Good luck with the rest of the season. We will be in touch. Oh, I appreciate it very much, Rex. Keep doing what you're doing and and I do have one question for you. I mean, I all of us fast bracket racers, top guys or top sportsmen, I mean all all these classes, I mean that they're they're passionate to whoever's running them, but uh you know, you're you're doing something here that's uh, taking time and energy. And is there anything we as racers can can help you with? I mean, do you have a donations deal? What what can we do to keep this podcast going? Wow, you caught me off uh, guard, but I I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so you know, I'm I am in a studio right now. I've got a producer doing this this show because I am not a tech guy per se. And so you know, at some point. Um, Ed Harney, drag race lawyer, is going to say enough's enough. I can't sponsor it anymore. Or I, you know, um, I've got other things I've got to do, and so yeah, I'm going to look for some sponsorship uh, here at some point. And um, so, if anybody is interested in just uh, helping me cover some costs, that'd be really great. And then, and then we're going to try to do some fun stuff at the U.S. Nationals. So if if you're going to be at the U.S. Nationals and you know that uh, you know, you'll be there. I think because it's the first time that uh, the classes are going to be run, I think we have a chance to create a tradition for both the classes there, which is uh, something I'm passionate about. And then I'd like to do a live show um, at the U.S. National, oh, yeah. so we're working on that. that so that would be, yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's only one person that can say they won the first ever top drag top sportsman race in Indy. So that is so true. Neat. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing. And so uh, we want to do something special for all, you know, for both classes and the people that are going to show up trying to earn that first one. Yeah, yeah, sounds great. Yep. Um, no, that's that's great. Appreciate you asking. And um, like I said, uh, thank you so so much for coming on. Um, wish you the best of luck of the rest of the season. Go ahead and do it on eight cylinders if you don't mind, and then yeah, let cool. us know how we do the rest of the year. Point. <laughs> all right rex i really appreciate it and uh yeah thank you okay let's hit the half track report now um no this is not sponsored by big burnouts.com nor is it sponsored by double lights.com and it certainly is not sponsored by oil panwindows.com and we all know this is presented by draggracelawyer.com 
Um, and guys, we've got a bunch of action to cover right now. So I, I, this was this was a great weekend. I mean, it finally didn't rain everywhere in the country. Um, there was a lot of great racing that that uh, we finally got in, and and this was awesome stuff this weekend. So we'll start in Chicago, where the NHRA had their national event. Um, and actually, before uh, they did the finals on Sunday, on Saturday they ran the Jegs All Stars, and so. The, what you do for the Jegs All-Stars is they all seven divisions um, qualify uh, based on the divisional points to race um, at this event, kind of a, um All-Star match, you know, just like it says. And so we have absolutely great racers there. As we talked about earlier, Steve Kasner qualified for it. He couldn't make the trip from California to Chicago, uh, but, but he um, – he did qualify for that. So we've got the best of the best, essentially. So um, Saturday, they um, they ran top dragster and top sportsman. And Darian Borshi – sorry, hold on. I'm going to sp- say that wrong. So um, um, I don't know how to pronounce Darian's last name, but Darian Bosch is uh, the winner in top dragster. Um, he went a 624 on a 620 dial – defeated Ed Olpen. Um, that was a that was a heck of a race. Um, so congrats to Darian for winning uh, the top dragster Jags All-Star shootout. Uh, low ET for the event was Zach Sackman at a 612 with a three. Um, but Darian uh, was the top mile per hour at 227 miles per hour. So congrats to Darian. Um, I think we may have him on the show here in a couple weeks. I'd like to get him on to talk about that experience. That is just an incredible event that Jegs does for these guys for the um, all the sportsman classes, actually. But we're going to obviously focus on top sportsman, top dragster. Um, on the top sportsman side, uh, a local Indiana guy from Terre Haute, Indiana, uh, Kynan Dinkle, he wins um, in his Cavalier, and for him, it is that's a big, big uh, win because he switched over from nitrous to a Vortex supercharger this year. And I had talked to him a little bit earlier this this year, and he had fight, fought it just a little bit. But, man, he's got that thing ironed out now, and he wins over Lester Johnson in the final. Uh, kind of goes uh, 648-7 on a 648 dial, uh, defeats Lester Johnson. Um, but we'll, we'll get back to Lester in a minute. It was overall a great weekend for Lester Johnson and his family, but – um, Lester does get beat in the final, um, and congrats to Kynan for winning that one. I'm sure we will see much more of him um, as the season goes on. Um, getting into Sunday, then um, on the top dragster side, they run the national event. So there were two races at you know at Chicago. Um, we get to Sunday; it's the national event. Ashley Tidrick Johnson goes number one in her blown top dragster six. 10 with a zero at 220 miles an hour. So if you're following along, Lester Johnson's daughter-in-law, Ashley, goes number one in top dragster, and Lester is, um, you know, had just come up a little bit short on the top sportsman side on the Jegs All-Stars. Um, Ashley had a little bit of problems in elimination. So Jim Prevo, he gets the win on Sunday, and then at the national event, um, he goes uh he goes uh, 6.33.7 on a 6.33. He puts a 12-pack to win it in the final over Jeff Strickland. So congrats to Jim Prevo. Um, 
As of, of note, from the point-standing side, Aaron Stanfield and Anthony Bertozzi both lose in the semifinals, so they stay neck-and-neck um, on the point side of top dragster. But uh, Lester wasn't done. Lester Johnson was not done. Not to be um, satisfied with his final round appearance in the Jegs All-Stars event on Saturday. On Sunday, he comes back and wins the event. So um, he goes what I believe is eight rounds for the weekend, goes seven and eight on the weekend. Lester runs a 618 with a three on a 618 dial, um, beats Brandon Baxter in the final um, and a familiar name, Brian Laflamme, goes number one as the your number one qualifier in top sportsman there. He runs a 6.16 at 233 miles an hour. And what I think is interesting is, so Lester, we're, we're going to have to have him on to talk a little bit about. I know he's um, pro-charged. He's got his Excalibur um, shoebox Chevy. and But on Saturday, he's dialed 6.44. And he runs a little quick, breaks out. Um, let's kind of get the win there, uh, but comes back on Sunday and he's dialed a 618. So um, obviously the weather did not change that much for him. Uh, so he seems seems like he's got an infinite amount of setups uh, with that. And I know his um, his son uh, does a super job of tuning on that thing as well. So that whole crew, Lester, um, Lester. Um, Son Andrew and then daughter-in-law Ashley all had a heck of a weekend, and I know Ashley's dad, and he's he is always shooting for the number one spot. So congrats to Brian uh, there on getting that number one shot in top dragster. Congrats to the Johnsons for uh, Lester for having such a super super weekend, and um, and then congrats to Aaron and Aaron Stanfield and Anthony Bertozzi for uh, keeping the points championship neck and neck. Um, so that was Chicago on the NHRA side, um, a heck of a bunch of racing there and not to be outdone. The PDRA, uh, went to Maryland this weekend. Um, and they started with, uh, finishing up their Virginia final. So on the top sportsman side, it was Tim Mulner over Glenn butcher. And I'm telling you, if you like first gen Camaros, um, with nitrous, that was an unbelievable final round that they ran, uh, I believe, on Friday night. It was under the lights. Um, it was two gorgeous cars going down the track, both with um, the bullhorns just on fire. And it looked like Glenn got out of the groove just enough to let Tim Mulner take the win. Um, it was a heck of a race, but uh, congrats to Tim for winning what is actually the Virginia final in the PDRA Top Sportsman Elite side. Um, then on the top dragster elite side, Nick Hamilton wins over William Brown, the third. So congrats to Nick. And then they went ahead and ran their scheduled race at Maryland. So, um, on the top sportsman elite side, John Benoit goes number one. He qualifies at a 381. Um, their elite program qualifies 16 cars and the bump spot was a 411 with a three, um, Ultimately, uh, Scott Moore and his 08 Mustang uh, gets the win. He was 002, dead on five, uh, dialed with 407 over Randy Perkinson in the final. So Scott Moore puts a seven pack um, on it, dialed 407, and 
you know, that is going to be tough to get under for anybody. But Randy Perkinson um, gets to the final. Scott Moore gets the win. And um, and then, then what I think was really, really neat is, as we know, PDRA, they have um, what they're called their regular top sportsman class, which is the next 32. So they actually qualify 48 cars. There were 61 cars on the property this weekend. Um, and the 48 car bump was a 453 with a nine. So, so that that's um, and a great weekend for the PDRA there. Glenn Teets and his 08 GTO wins the final over Robbie Crenshaw when he went red. Um, but congrats to Scott Moore and Glenn Teets for winning both the Top Sportsman Elite and Top Sportsman Regular victories in Maryland. The top dragster side was um, pretty neat as well. So Brian Bedner goes number one on the top dragster elite side. He runs a 372-2 at 196. Camry Caruso goes number two at 381. And you don't see this very often, but um, Camry and Brian meet then in the final. So they qualify number one, number two, then they meet in the final. Camry gets the uh, starting line advantage and takes the win. So that was that was a heck of an event there. You've got two incredibly fast top dragster cars going. They're dialed, um, you know, high 70s, low 80s. And uh, for those two guys to meet in the final, it, it's kind of like, um, you know, what Steve said earlier in the show is that the equipment is getting so good now the number one qualifiers are just as deadly as the guys uh, qualifying in the mid to bottom of the pack. So so that was uh, pretty special. And then as soon as I say that, now I get I get the other side of the coin. So this, this is what I think is so great. So the top strike, top strike elite, you have number one and number two qualifiers meeting in the finals. That is fantastic. On the top dragster regular side, um, so they that would be qualifier number 48, Marty Martin um, gets gets in the show. He is the last qualifier. Guess what? He takes that. He says, all I need is to be in the show. I don't care where I qualify. Uh, kind of like poker guys say, just give me a chip and a chair and I can make it, this happen. That's what Marty Martin did. He goes from last qualifier to the winner. Um, he wins over Jason Kirby. Um, had a starting line advantage. Both of those guys go dead on twos. So, I mean, there you have both ways to do it. You can qualify number one and get to the final. You can qualify dead last and go to the final. Uh, congrats to all those guys. Uh, both the NHRA and PDRA had unbelievable weekends. Really excited uh, that we didn't have to deal with rain and the cars got out to run. And congrats to all the winners. Next week, we will take you or uh, get you followed up on the NHRA Division One Divisional in Numidia Dragway. And then we'll catch you up on some uh, point standings and where everybody falls after uh, we get the uh, get this stuff squared away in terms of uh, points and who's trying to make championship runs. Whoa, let's get out of the groove here just a little bit. Um, next um, on the show, he is an accomplished bracket racer. He is an accomplished teacher of the bracket racing game. He is the senior partner at Hume Smith, Geddes Green and Simmons, LLP. He is the drag race lawyer. Ed Harney, welcome to the show. 
Thanks, Rex. Thanks for having me. Hey, um, again, thanks so much for coming. Um, why don't there, – there are very few, I would say, and you might know the exact number, but I would say there are very few drag racers who are also attorneys. So tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how you become a drag race lawyer. Um, well, I uh, uh, grew up my, – my dad got me into racing, into drag racing. He – um, started racing, uh, uh, enduro racing, uh, hundred mile, uh, raced, uh, built and raced a, uh, 53 Willys, um, junkyard motor, junkyard, 53 Willys, uh, built in the, uh, you know, the garage in the back of our, uh, uh, you know, little quarter acre postal stamp lot that we grew up in. Um, the only way my dad was going to race is if he built it himself, you know, we didn't have the money uh, to, to, you know, have, uh, anybody do it for him. So, uh, my dad was a flat out mechanical genius, could do anything, um, with his hands. And, um, so that's how he got into it. Um, was really, really successful in that until, uh, uh, folks started pulling up in, uh, uh, you know, renegades and, and, and we were flat towing our 53 willies to the, to the shows. And, uh, so he decided that uh, we couldn't compete there. So he started doing a four-wheel drive enduro or a four-wheel drive short uh, obstacle course stuff, sand drag racing, things like that. So we, we kind of focused there. Um, and so that's originally where I first started drag racing was um, with the sand drag racing. Right. So, um, which I really thought was kind of stupid, uh, the whole <laughs> drag racing thing, because, you know, it was, uh, you just drove in a straight line. How hard could it be? Exactly. Um, I we, we had really gotten out of the obstacle course, and we had a dedicated CJ2A straight line drag racer. Right. And, uh, you know, I thought, God, this got to be pretty easy. <laughs> and uh, I think I was maybe 19, and my dad let me get in the car at uh, Silver Lake uh, Sand Dragway up in Silver Lake, Michigan, uh, for the first time. And I got in it and uh, thought it would be really easy, and I think I probably drove – 140 yards in the 100 yards uh, strip and uh, screwed pretty much everything up and realized there was a little bit more to drag racing than I thought there was. And uh, um, I was hooked. I mean, that was it. So uh, dad came home from the shop, I think the next week and said, uh, hey, let's go, uh, let's go start building another car. And so that was it. We uh, built a, or he built, let's be clear. Uh, You know, maybe I would sweep the floor, but um, built a, uh, he built a Jeep funny car, two by three box tubing that we, uh, we ran, uh, successfully in the sand, uh, kind of a class to cubic or cubic inch of weight class, like comp eliminator, okay. uh, which was awesome. We ran a, uh, 250 inline Chevy, um, kind of the Ambrose car in comp eliminator was, they were our heroes. Sure. Um, and, uh, we always wanted to do that, but then we found out what comp eliminator cost to run. So that went away. Yeah. And uh, then we got, uh, my dad wanted to build one more car. And uh, so for Christmas, uh, this was after I became a lawyer and actually, you know, I had a paycheck. Um, uh, I bought him a uh, TIG welder for Christmas and uh, he'd never TIG welded before. And uh, he taught himself to TIG weld and he built the car that I, I say I drive, but since the kids have driven with their juniors the last five years, that car's sitting ready to go down the strip as soon as I get it back out. Right. And, um, yeah, you've, you have sacrificed a little bit here recently, but at, at, um, 
several years ago, I mean, you had some nice wins. And, well, at the time when $5,000 was a lot of money for a bracket racing win, you had some really nice wins in that car. And tell us a little bit more about the car because I know your dad built it, you you said, but it's a little unique even for an altered. Yeah, it is. We um, we, we He built it in 1995. Like I said, we bought the Tilg Welder. He wanted to do a chromoly car. So we bought a, a Mark Williams funny car blueprint. Actually, the old paper blueprints, you know, this was pre-internet. So we had to mail off or call, you know, on the phone to get them. And uh, he got the blueprints, um, you know, I remember having in the shop and, and, and we built a chassis jig. And uh, he set to working with, you know, the, uh, the, the chromoly tubing. Because we were running an inline six-cylinder at the time, he made it six inches longer. So instead of it being a 125-inch wheelbase funding car, it's actually a 131-inch wheelbase funding car, uh, which ended up being great because we didn't have to have uh, front brakes in the class we happened to be running because it's officially a dragster because it's over 125-inch wheelbase. I so I have you. a dragster license uh, as opposed to a 125-inch uh, and smaller. But because of the six-inch longer uh, motor... Yep. with the inline it was uh, uh that's what it was so we ran the inline six cylinder in 96 in that car in the sand so that car's been in the sand okay all right and uh we won in 1996 the first year we brought that car out um uh, i won the overall points championship in the american sand racing organization uh, uh which was kind of a it was a bracket racing organization in the sand okay and uh so after we did that it was like hey it's time to go run asphalt so so did you have paddles on the slicks then at that time? Is Absolutely. That, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. So at some point you said the paddles come off, uh, the big tires come on, and let's see how fast we can go. Yep. Yep. So we just, that's all we did. Um, we went to Bunker Hill Drag Strip um, and uh, showed up. Um, people kind of laughed. We had, you know, the Zoomy headers on it um, that, you know, were, again, just built by my dad. Um, you know, kind of uh, folks kind of said it, you know, it was kind of like a leaf blower. Because um, you know, you start it up and blow all the leaves to the side of the <laughs> side of the staging lanes, and uh, yeah, I got my uh, um, license at uh, um, Bunker Hill. Actually, yeah. Art Reed met That's him right. there, and and yep. he was one of the ones signed my license there for that. And uh, for those of you guys that um, are outside of the state of Indiana, Bunker Hill is the oldest drag strip in the state of Indiana. And, yep. Uh, historic uh, here in Central Indiana. Yeah, it used to be a quarter mile drag strip back in the day, and then cars got a little bit faster so then it became a you know eighth mile strip so yep no that's uh that's great but it, it's not it's not got the straight six in it now what do what uh what do you got in it now yeah so so it's got a 565 big block in it um my my mom passed in 98 and uh you know dad was pretty despondent and uh needed something to do um so our original plan after we decided we couldn't do the uh uh steve ambrose complimentator six-cylinder um, we were going to, we were going to make a blown inline. Um, and so we mocked it all up. We, we figured all the parts and everything. And, and we thought we we're going to have about 20 grand to maybe make seven, seven fifty horse. And so I called my dad one day and I said, dad, why don't we just do a big block? You know, let's, let's, you know, ditch the inline. And, uh, oh, my dad would want me to make a shameless plug. The inline and the trans is still sitting in the garage. If anyone would like to buy it. <laughs> There you yeah, go. it's still there. There you go. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we went to the big block, and uh, um, yeah, that's where we've been since. Yeah, the old cubic inches versus cubic dollars. Exactly. Right? And uh, yeah, okay. So, um, 
so you you bracket race that, and I know you went through it here recently and got that all ready, but it's kind of sitting a little bit. Um, tell us why that is. Uh, Your trailer's uh, full. Trailer's full. About five years ago, my uh, my son started racing juniors when he was eight. Uh, actually, June 30th of uh, 2012 was his birthday, his eighth birthday, and uh, he was going down the track on his eighth birthday. That was before they lowered the age to five, six, mm-hmm. and then uh, my daughter followed uh, two years later. Um, so once I had both kids in the, in the, uh, in the juniors, it was a little too tough for dad to run three cars. So, sure. but, uh, last year, uh, bought a stacker, um, from, uh, from, uh, Antron Brown. And, uh, so the plan is now that the kids have gotten a little older right. to, uh, try to get all three cars out and see if dad can get to get to make a few passes. Yeah. Well, your oldest son is getting to the point where he can help a little bit now and to kind of run his own uh for the most part and so uh yeah that'll that should be a lot of fun for you uh hopefully this summer um if not shortly thereafter um but in both of those kids i'll just tell you ed may not say it but both those kids have uh have had uh highly successful careers already in their young young drag racing career so and i that has a lot to do with uh the education that they get from the old man so uh Congrats on that. Um, but stepping aside now, so you got to pay for all this stuff. So um, talk us through your legal career. Um, you're from Northwest Indiana originally. So uh, start from there and, and walk us through that. Uh, it, that's really short because um, I graduated in 93. Um, I actually uh, had a position uh, with the Cook County Public Defender's Office um, that I thought I was going to go to out of uh, law school. Um, got a call in about March, April of that year. Uh, and they said, Hey, still got a position. Um, but we just don't have the money to pay you. Um, and yeah, so I, yeah, I, I was kind of looking for a job. So, um, my, um, one of my professor's boyfriend's ex-sister-in-law worked at the firm that is next door to where we are in the MS studio here, where we're doing the broadcast or the podcast. And hooked me up with this firm that I'm with now 25 years later. Yeah, so, so your office looks downtown and right into the Monument Circle in downtown Indianapolis, which is right next to where we record our show. And um, you've been there 25 years. Came in right? 93 and and was really, really fortunate to be with just a fantastic group of guys and and probably, uh, you know, incredibly rare to be at the same place, you know, for such a long time. So don't plan on going anywhere else and uh, uh, been really fortunate to be there. Yeah, and... I understand that you're you have a lot of different avenues of law that you practice, but is there any uh, area that you really focus in on? Yeah, so um, our firm's been uh, together continuing since uh, 1952. Um, our primary focus is litigation, uh, civil litigation. We don't do any real criminal work unless it's a, a business client whose son gets in trouble or <laughs> something like that. Um, but but any type of uh, civil litigation, whether it's injury work or uh, business contract type work. Um, is what our firm does. We're a relatively small, firm, mid-sized firm for Indiana, Indianapolis, rather, about 16 lawyers. Um, and then about uh, a quarter of my practice is small business uh, formation, um, uh, advice, counseling, those types of things that oftentimes is using my litigation background and seeing all the things where people get tripped and tracked and, and, and have problems to help them kind of stay out of those uh, uh, predicaments. So, um, I like the entrepreneurial aspect of those folks that are doing those things, so I can I can help with those things. And, and I can speak from uh, my side of the table, which is 
I work with high net worth individuals every day, both who have businesses and just have their private wealth in. And having someone like you in their corner giving advice, sometimes not, I mean, the proactive is what you pay for in, in something like uh, having you on their side as opposed to the reactive. And, and that can be extremely valuable just in saving time, energy, and, and uh, frustration. Yeah, and, and, you know, I've been really, really fortunate. I have a lot of work. Um, I've had great group of clients that I've worked with. You know, I never have a day that I have to go in the office and say, you know, hey, who am I going to build today? Um, <laughs> right. So, so um, you know, maybe we'll work with folks and, 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 and try to give them the advice that I think is best for them, whether they want to hear it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, for those folks that don't want to take my advice, I usually just tell them, you know, if you don't want to listen to me, I'm not sure why you're paying me. Go find somebody that, <laughs> right. you know, tells you what you want to hear, right. um, you know, and, and, and hopefully, you know, you bring some value to them and, and uh, otherwise, I'm not sure why they're paying you. That's exactly right. Well, um, you've been racing for a long time. Obviously, um, you are the drag race lawyer. So when you're out, when you're at the track or, you know, when people who know you and like you and trust you, when they're calling you, what's the number one question you're getting from drag racers specifically? I'm not sure if there's a number one question, but there. Because a lot of times it's just little things, you know, and, and I always try to tell folks that it may not be something I do, but feel free to call me, yep. you know, because I can usually give them some general information that might allow them to solve their issue or solve their problem. Or if I can't, I can hook them with somebody, somebody that I trust that can help them with their problem. Uh, and then even if it's somebody that can help them with their problem, I'm happy uh, to, to kind of make sure things are going well if 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 they have to continue to work with things but you know the the individual drag racing things um that that seem to come up you know are uh you know the big one is the you know how 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 the over length limits and the you know those kind of problems um which just there is no easy solution on those kind of things um I wish I could just, you know, kind of send an email out that says, here's what you can do in <laughs> all 50 states and you won't have a problem. But, you know, that's just not something that's there. And the reason is because every state does their own thing, correct? Yeah. I mean, we just have to remember, you know, we're a republic of 50 states. So every single state gets to decide how they're going to handle their roads, except they can't do something that the federal government has preempted. So, you know, Indiana, uh, last time I checked, I think we were 65 feet for over length, Mm -hmm. uh, which 98%, no, not, you know, lots of people are over length. You got a motorhome and a trailer and it doesn't take much to get over 65 feet. And I think North Carolina was like 85 or 90 right? because, you know, big motorsports, uh, uh, hub with North Carolina. So they've got a friendly legislature that allows that to be that. So. Yeah, and given the fact that a lot of us are over length and there's no clear laws um, in terms of that, and we're all traveling across country because uh, the series we run are, you know, usually out of state, um, what's the best advice you can give to someone, let's say they do get pulled over? Yeah, you know, like most times when you get pulled over, you know, don't be a jerk. (laughs) Right. Right. That's number one. I mean, if, if, you know, these guys are doing their jobs, um, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're getting pulled over and, 
and they may not even be pulling you over for over length, but you know, when they've, when they have pulled you over either, either they are, and maybe they've already decided that that's what they're doing. I mean, it's happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember several years ago when the Jegs folks got pulled over from Michigan. Right. I think that was more of a, um, uh, DOT kind of, uh, for business. So they wanted them to have log books and, uh, motor carrier stuff. And it was, a uh, you know, when they were bracket racing, right. you know, that was the issue there as opposed to over length. Right. You know, but, you know, it seemed like they were, you know, kind of waiting for them. Um, but you know, so the, the die was already cast. They were going to probably get their tickets. <laughs> That's right. Right. They were, they, they were sending a message that weekend one way or the other. Sounded right. like they were, but, but, you know, if if that's not the case, just again, you know, be nice, answer the questions, be truthful, yep. um, you know, and then hopefully you get a warning. Um, right. But, you know, they can impound your rig and require somebody to have a CDL and come get it. And if that's what it is, that's what it is. We all kind of take uh, that risk every time we're on the road, unfortunately. Yeah. No, that's uh, true. And then I'm guessing this kind of goes along with it in terms of our rigs. Do you get questions about how to incorporate your racing operation and and make it the most tax beneficial? Yeah, most certainly. Um, a couple things on that. Um, even if you're not looking to make your racing uh, enterprise a business, a, a a business where you have an intent to generate a profit, um, you know, a for-profit business entity, every single hobbyist can deduct uh their their business expenses up to their business or their uh, their uh, race winnings okay so okay. you know if you're a foot brake racer and you know you're pulling with an open trailer and your pickup truck and you're going to the summer door care shootout summer door car shootout right. you know at, at Luke's race um and and you know you you hit one of the the five granders hey don't be paying taxes on that five grand right. um you know you had five grand expenses guaranteed in a year for sure. Most assuredly, <laughs> whether it's, you know, hotel expenses or meal expenses or, you know, the truck expenses and the, and the parts expenses, you can deduct up to your winnings so that you're not paying taxes on those winnings. That's a, you know, a hobby uh, uh, deduction. Yeah, you don't have to file a S-Corp or an LLC. <laughs> correct, right. correct. You can't go over that. You can't, you can't right. take a loss above what you've, you've right. claimed, but, but generally you're going to do that. So, you know, talk to your accountant. Or heck, if you've you know if you've won five grand, it's worth you know making a phone call to an accountant to make sure you can do that. But sure. but that's that's you know pretty clear. And I've I've heard folks say you know hey, I won about five thousand, and my accountant said I need to pay you know taxes on that five grand. And you know I almost just kind of look at them a little credulous, incredulously because that's not my understanding. All advice is not equal. I would say. Well, yeah, I mean, and I just think you know some accountants are pretty you know for the most part understandably they're a, a cautious lot and mm-hmm. you know certainly you don't want to have audit but but that's not a you know again you're just doing it based upon what you want but then for those folks that do um you know intend to make a profit um they want to generate income from whatever they're doing not necessarily just from their winnings but maybe it's you know because they're uh, uh sponsoring or they're 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 uh, they've got a business and they're promoting their business mm-hmm. and they're able to show that, you know, by being at the racetrack, uh, you know, they're selling more, whatever they're selling. That's right. 
you know, keep track, document those additional sales, those types of things. You know, you can, you can, you know, you can have a loss for several, several years. And as long as you can show the IRS, we've got an intent to make a profit. We're, you know, we're working hard to do that. You know, that, that you shouldn't just be uh, uh, afraid of doing that. Just keep good records, be ready to show the IRS those records. And, and um, you know, that's something you can do. Yeah. Ed, um, we really appreciate you um, being so supportive of the show itself and coming on today and, and talking us through a little bit about your history, helping us understand how you get to be um, both understanding in the legal world and understanding us as racers. We really appreciate it. We wish you the best of luck, you and your kids, this summer um, out on the track. And if you need him, that is Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com. Well, thanks a bunch, Rex, and uh, and thanks for having me. As we hit the mile per hour cone, um, let's just do a quick uh, PSA here. Guys, um, take some time to look over your truck and trailers before we head out next. Um, there have been just a couple of incidents uh, out on the road here lately um, where guys, girls have gotten hurt and killed here, um, sadly. Um, and I know I'm, I'm the exact same way, so I'm speaking to myself just as much as anybody else, but I, I know it's not the first thing we look at when it's time to go to the track. Like that, It's kind of a, uh, a necessary evil. Um, and, and lots of times, and I've said this, but you know, I'll get that after this weekend. I will fix that on the trailer. I will check that. Um, but it's getting hot out. And um, at least it is around here. And that is hard on the rigs, just like it's hard on our cars, just like it's hard on our bodies. Um, so, you know, just just be careful. Uh, pay some mind to that. Make sure the rigs and uh, truck and trailers are all in uh, good shape as we head out. And we put the milos on our rigs um, over here in the next couple weeks. So um, additionally... Um, if you see uh, my Facebook or Twitter post, please share. Uh, Facebook is uh, still stifling us a little bit. I think they're shaking us down for some ransom. Um, uh, but um, if, uh, if you see us on Facebook or Twitter, like and share um, the, the post. I would really appreciate it. Okay, that is the show. We took the stripe. We got the win light, um, and that is episode number seven in the books. Um, it's been seven weeks. Some of you are in. You know you get it. Uh, some of you are just getting hooked in. You're trying to figure it out, trying to stay up. No sweat. You will get there. Just stay with us. But to do that, you need to subscribe and follow us on Twitter at Fast Brackets or like the Facebook page, The Fast Brackets Podcast. Um, you can always send me emails about topics you'd like to discuss, drivers you'd like to hear from, and or your hatred for, of roadsters at fastbracketsoutlook.com. Um, retweet, share with your friends so the word gets out. You are in. Relay it to someone else who might want to get in as well. That's it, though. That is episode number seven. We've made the pass. The shoots were out. We were dead on. Got the bright light in our lane today. I hope you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. This episode of the Fast Brackets podcast was presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. DragRaceLawyer.com, 
legal help on and off the track. Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com is a longtime drag racer with over 25 years of experience in small business to large corporate legal work. For all your high-powered legal needs, get DragRaceLawyer.com. All right, man, what you think? Man, this was a great show. Uh, Ed and Steve were both fantastic, but more so than anything, I just like not having to talk about wrecking my car. I mean, that, uh, it's it's uh, that was painful, and um, I didn't like doing it. 